Welcome back to Dr. Usher Weighs In, the podcast where we talk about healthcare, healthcare financing, free market medicine, and medical weight loss, and uh, whatever else we think is relevant to uh, people who want to hear more and know more about healthcare and healthcare financing. Today we're joined again by uh, Ron Panecki from Wellbridge Surgical. Wellbridge Surgical is a uh, flat fee surgical center in Indianapolis, Indiana, where uh, the best surgeons uh, and the best anesthesiologists in town are providing higher than uh, a, a super care at, at low, low prices. Uh, and we're going to get into a little bit about how that's even possible today. Uh, Ron, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me and glad to, to share a little bit about us. Fantastic. Well, we talked uh, on our last podcast, we had got into some of the nuts and bolts, and I would encourage our listeners to, uh, to tune back into that one if they have not heard that uh, about um, what it is Wellbridge Surgical is doing. Uh, but you guys are located in Northwest Indiana, and there's a couple of just little fun data points. I wonder if, if you know uh, the answer. It would be something that would I would be tickled to kind of understand about my previous, uh, about my practice now at reform medicine. So um, question one is who, what's the farthest anybody has traveled to you guys to, to have a case done, to have their surgery performed or their procedure done? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I will say um, we're actually in Northwest Indianapolis um, just to be, just to be clear. So really central Indiana, Northwest Indianapolis, um, and okay sorry um, what did and, i say uh, indiana northwest indiana so <laughs> oh yeah sorry sorry i, I learned when i moved to, to indiana indianapolis that you know there are certain regions in the state and so the northwest quadrant there near chicago is referred to as the region which you know i don't know why that that is but i see you know it, so that's that's an area um that's probably about Gary, indiana hours. or that area <laughs> there, right 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 so yeah we're central indiana indianapolis um suburb um, but we've had patients travel quite a ways. Um, when we really implemented this model and designed the facility, built it and actually opened our doors, we anticipated that, you know, that's a city here of Indianapolis, around a million people. Um, there's going to be a fair amount of need here. And there is. And we've seen a vast majority of our patients come from Indianapolis and surrounding areas. But what we didn't fully account for is that, you know, there's a, a fair amount of uh, folks out there um, who are actually looking for quality care and do care about the cost or are forced to care about the cost because of their high deductible plan or lack of insurance or their circumstances where, hey, I need surgery, but I can't afford a $30,000 hospital bill for this one hour procedure. Um, and I frankly don't think that that's reasonable. And, and they're right. right. So, you know, we started to see patients come from outside the city. So we had patients come from Southern Indiana, Northern Indiana, each of which, like I said, it's about two two hour drive. Um, and then not too long ago, we had some patients come in from uh, Wisconsin. So we've had patients from uh, Milwaukee area, uh, Madison area, I believe. Um, and so we've had Wisconsin patients here, we've cared for them. And some of those have been simple 30 minute procedures. We've done some colonoscopies, screening colonoscopies. Um, hey, they just turned 45 or they just turned 50 or they just turned 60 and they've been putting it off and they said, Hey, I need a screening colonoscopy. And we found that your value was by and large, you know, significantly uh, better than any other place around where we live. 
And I was curious about that because, you know, with total joint replacement, you know, that's a 50, 60, $70,000 procedure at the hospital. Um, there's right, huge right. savings at Wellbridge. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars of savings, but with colonoscopy, it's expensive, but it's not joint replacement expensive. Um, but we started digging in and they said that, you know, the locally they were being charged six, seven, $8,000 for this 30 minute procedure. And we do it for 1999. And that includes all parts of care. It includes all the physicians involved. It includes the pathology and the so if they take out a bunch of polyps or something that pathology is covered in there. Price is the same, 1999. If there's zero polyps, if there's 10 polyps, um, those specimens still get sent overnight and usually have your results in 72 hours, regardless, without an additional dollar charged. Yeah, that's crazy. Does what's what do you tell people who say this can't be good care for that little money? Um, people do say that, um, and I I don't blame them for saying that. Um, not regularly, but you know, there's always skeptics, and I'm I'm kind of one of them. So I was thinking, hey. If we put these prices out here, people are going to say, are you kind of shipping in these doctors from overseas or right. non-credentialed or do these people have lawsuits against them? You know, how can you afford to do it so much less? They released the prison population and we're using right. physicians. Right, right. It's like, yeah, I slept at a Holiday Inn Express so I can perform <laughs> your, your colonoscopy. And, uh, um, I, and I would ask that question if I were a patient. And so um, what we typically do is... Um, um, a lot of times employers will ask that question. Hey, how can you do this for so much less? All the hospital systems around here are much higher. I said, I'll tell you what, can you come to the facility for a tour? Let me introduce you to our staff, maybe meet a few surgeons that are in clinical practice here today or the sure. day you come. Um, and then you can do a little homework and see the facility and I can show you the technology that's designed into it. And then they quickly realize that, you know, it's not a catch. Um, it's just that the margin is so high for the prevailing um, systems, hospital systems currently, um, that there's just so much savings to be had if you're willing to be reasonable and say, hey, we're going to build this from the ground up. Here's our individual line item costs. And then we just put a small margin, just a small margin of profitability on top of that. And sure, the end right. result is, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent savings to the patient or employer. That's amazing. No. Yeah. No money. No mission. Right. If nobody works for free, not, not anybody. Um, right. Even, even people who volunteer are getting something from the experience. <laughs> um, but most of us have to, we have to, you know, feed families and so forth, pay our med, medical school loans right. uh, in some cases. Um, well, this is a nice segue to the next question, which is a really a kind of a broader uh, healthcare system question. It'd be interesting um, to have somebody who, has a lot of experience working in the hospital and with different specialists and so forth uh, weigh in on this. Um, so I guess we can call this Dr. Panecki weighs in. Um, <laughs> change the name. Um, so uh, how is it, what, can you give me a little bit of a background uh, and, our, and our listeners, um, just the idea of how, how is it that hospitals I try to be as, uh, let's say, assume positive intent kind of guy as, as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I and I'm Catholic, and you know, Catholic hospitals, you know, are re represent now like a sixth of the of the care that's going on, or maybe more. Um, but yeah, they don't operate like they used to. Um, somewhere in there, the business guys uh, kind of tainted the water a little bit. Um, but but the question is, how is it that in your perception, did we get to this point where 
hospitals operate the way that they do and the, 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 the billing and the coding and the administrators and the, you know, the vice president and the corner office and how did we get there? What, what's, what's the basic problem with the healthcare system and why doesn't it move off of that old antiquated model? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'll try to be succinct and kind of paint a, a picture here on what has happened, at least in the hospitals as it pertains to surgical care. And, and overall, just in general, how the leadership has shifted. So, you know, what it used to be was you had a hospital and a community and that hospital, like you just said, whether it be Catholic or some other Christian, non-Christian, non-for-profit, um, mission-driven organization. You know, around here in Indianapolis, um, there's a fair amount of Catholic hospitals, you know, the Saint this, the Saint that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were by and large Catholic organizations that were led administratively by nuns and priests who had a calling to to deliver care to those in need. That kind of slowly transitioned for a couple reasons. Um, Usually those um, clergy would have a mission in mind, and then they would bring physician leadership in to, hey, help us execute on this mission. We want to deliver good care. How do we do that? as healthcare got more and more complex, they brought in some additional business and administrative staff because there's the business of medicine is very complex, as everyone knows. No one understands how it really works fully. That's why you know they don't understand where the costs are, are going a lot of times because there's so many layers of complexity there. What we saw over the past, at least around here in the past, you know, 20 to 30 years, is those mission-driven non-for-profits um, have transitioned into corporate-driven not-for-profits. So where leadership was physician and or clergy and staff from the church, it transitioned to administrative non-clinical personnel. And that's not to say that you don't need and there's not wonderful, like morally driven and ethically driven, mission-driven business people out there. There are. Um, I know quite a few. Um, But when you pull the mission of the church and the mission-driven organization that started the organization out and you start whittling away at physician leadership who are the voice of quality and advancement regardless of cost, not that cost isn't important, but remember our mission here is to deliver on the care aspect and right. figure Treat out- the patient, right? Correct. The, and the voice of the patient out, really. Right, and figure out how to do it within a cost structure. Patient first, find a way to pay for it and, and functionally stay you know, solvent over time. That change to finding a way to be profitable while delivering patient care is really the way that I've seen it shift. And so there's not much physician leadership in most hospital systems anymore. And the mission, the church mission has slowly been pulled out of the, the hospital systems as well. So you're basically left with kind of a corporation really is what it is. Um, and they're driven like corporations are to find margin and find profit, which you have to do, even though they operate under the umbrella of not-for-profit, um, those assets- They call it are, net operating income, don't they? They don't call it profit. It's net correct, NOI. Correct. NOI. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in the hospital's defense, I mean, they do a lot of really good things for the community. I mean, it's still the responsibility of the hospital to provide charitable care. It is still the responsibility of the hospital to provide emergency care and trauma care. All those things are necessary and vital to a a functioning community. Um, But what we found as hospitals have slowly changed and evolved, that if you look at the statistics, at least in Indiana, 
um, charity care for the hospitals around here is between one and 2% of their total budget. So again, you have a not-for-profit that one to 2% of their assets and budget are devoted to charity care, to me feels fairly lopsided. Um, and so it's always a competition with hospitals to kind of get into markets and I get it. It's still a business in some sense. You wanna be in the presence of commercial insurers and patients that are commercially insured because that's more profitable. So hospitals build newer and nicer and bigger facilities. They advertise and do the things that other businesses do. But unfortunately, like I said earlier, when patient care gets brought down to maybe third or fourth or fifth or sixth most important, you end up with an organization that prioritizes profits and market share rather than prioritizing patients. And so that's kind of where things have gone um, from a business standpoint with the hospitals. And again, like I said, I trained at a hospital and in a health system that's absolutely fantastic. Um, I owe a lot of where I'm at today because of the knowledge that right, I was right. able to gain from them. And so it's not like the hospitals are bad. It's just that they've, I feel like lost kind of true north a bit with their, their ranking of priorities and the way that the business um, aspect of hospital management has kind of crept in. Is there a, a, uh, is it a real phenomenon that hospitals, because they're hospitals, when they charge for a certain thing, get reimbursed um, significantly more than if they did the same procedure at some place that wasn't attached to the hospital physically somehow? For example, an M a freestanding MRI center, the hospital system might own it, um, but if they do the MRI in the hospital or attached to the hospital somehow, they get paid more for that than the, out, the freestanding one. Is that true? Do I understand that correctly? That, 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 is, that is, generally speaking, that is true. Um, the way that the, the dollars and cents move around in hospitals is that, you know, they deliver care, they need to get paid. They're paid via either individuals if you're uninsured. Um, hopefully that's not the case because it's very expensive to get care at a hospital or any facility for that matter, if you're having to pay out of pocket, um, or the individual has insurance and the insurance company pays. So the hospitals and insurance companies are constantly negotiating annual rates for reimbursement for individual procedures. The insurance companies are not experts in delivering care, nor do they understand all that goes into it because they don't, they're not a hospital. Right, um, right. The hospitals say, hey, these, all, these are the line item things that we need to deliver on this care, uh, episode of care, whether it be a heart transplant or, you know, a toenail removal, whatever it is. Um, what's happened over time, though, is as hospitals have negotiated this rates, they've gotten larger. Um, they use that leverage um, as well from a business standpoint to kind of um, kind of increase their you know, basically profitability or the dollars that they receive for any given procedure, like any business would, you want yeah. to maintain profitability and solvency. But what's happened is that those costs are just got passed on to patients. Um, so what happens is the costs go up, the hospital increases their cost, or what they do is they say, hey, we're increasing our, our numbers by 5% for next year. And uh, the insurers say, well, how about we negotiate that down a little bit? And that goes back and forth. The end result is maybe a two or three, you know, two or three, four percent increase. And then if you happen they, to have that insurance, right, if you happen to have it. And what's really interesting is 
and all insurance isn't the same. So you have fully funded insurance plans, you have self-funded plans. What a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, with the Buka payers, the large, you know, insurance companies, a lot of these companies are actually paying the claims, even though they're accessing the net hospital networks through one of the big insurers. So say you have, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, for example, um, if you're a self-funded company, and most companies in Indiana, over 100 employees are, you're actually, the company's actually paying the claim, even though it's accessing the Blue Cross Blue Shield network. So the companies have a vested interest in finding um, reduced costs because they're actually paying out of pocket for the procedures for their employees. The companies, not the insurance companies, but the employers. The employers. Yeah, yeah. yeah the employers companies Self-funded are. employers. Correct. And mm-hmm. so what, what happens there is, so the hospital costs go up. The insurance company's costs, you know, for accessing that network goes up, whether you're fully funded or self-funded. And then eventually the premiums go up um, or the deductibles go up. Something has to change right. to kind of re-equilibrate the numbers. And the employers are paying a large portion of this cost too, because oftentimes about 75% of the premiums are paid by the employer. Um, only 25% on average of the premiums are paid by the employee, which that's what you hear about. And that's still right. problematic for a lot of people. But the employers are carrying and shouldering a lot of that that cost too. And whether and so, it's the employer or the employee, if they gave a hundred percent of that to the employee, if the employee thought of it that way, I'm either getting this in salary or I'm getting it in insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. But either way, that money is not going in my pocket; it's going somewhere else, and the cost is going up uh, terrifically uh, fast. Right? Yeah. Correct. Yep, that's exactly true. And so, yeah, that's kind of generally speaking what's happening. And um, it goes up a little bit every year, sometimes a lot every year, depending on the individual circumstances, location, plans, employee demographics. And none of it's transparent. None of it's upfront, open and honest with like, hey, here's where those dollars are going. You don't really know. And so that, that's really an issue, you know. Yeah, they, uh, that, that's a nice segue to this next that's next couple of questions. One, do you guys interact with networks? Are you in network? Is that relevant? How does, how do you, how do you guys deal with that? Do you do third-party billing? Uh, do people have to come in and just write a check? How does that work? When we started, we said, Hey, we're going to set a price. It's going to be advertised. It's going to be the same for everyone on the website and everyone can see it. Um, and we assume that a large portion of our, our patients would be, you know, um, either uninsured, um, high deductible plans, uh, self-funded companies. And, um, you know, you have certain pockets in the community. The Amish community in Indiana is fairly large. You know, oftentimes that's, they they pay with, you know, um, out of pocket for procedures. Um, The Hispanic community in Indianapolis also very large and they oftentimes pay out of pocket for procedures. So we assume that's where the volume was gonna come from. What we found early on, though, is um, one insurer in particular, United Healthcare, approached us and said, hey, we were interested in being a network with you because we see your prices are so low and we see you bringing good value and quality. And we said, well, um, we're not really participating in the current system. Um, we're not doing things the way everyone else is. We're not interested in, you know, increasing our prices only to offer a higher percent discount each year and kind of have play those you know, kind of games. We just want to set a price. Everyone pays the same. Um, so locally, um, the leadership with United Healthcare said, "Hey, that's okay with us. We would like to participate in your model and um, send patients to you um, that are part of our uh, self-funded plans." <laughs> and so we said, 
if that's the case, sure. So technically, I, we use the term in-network, um, meaning you know United patients are cared for here at Wellbridge, um, but it's not the same circumstances as you know the traditional model. Right. Um, right. So at Wellbridge, if you're you have United Healthcare Insurance, you're not being balance billed by the surgeon and the anesthesiologist afterwards or pathologist. You're not getting nickeled and dime for different things. It literally is the same price. And it's simply you pay the patient portion, your responsibility, and then um, United Healthcare will pick up the tab for the rest at the rate that's advertised on the website. Nice. And in a relatively reasonable short period of time, I hope. Yes. Yes. Do they so pay we, before the surgery or do they pay after the surgery? Um, the patients, if they have a portion that they're responsible for at Wellbridge, they pay beforehand. Um, and we've established a couple different mechanisms for patients that may not have, hey, they have a thousand dollar responsibility um, or even a cash payer is paying all of it out of pocket. Um, they have you know, full responsibility, but they don't have the money up front. So we have some companies that have partnered with us that are non-predatory, offer competitive rates for people that want to you know, basically finance that for 12, 24, 36 months. Okay. And so that's an option for patients. And then the insurers or the business entity. So, so you guys get paid there. They are working then to pay back the financing company, right? Correct. For so their guys, responsibility, yeah, yeah. their portion of it. And then okay. the remainder that's covered by their insurance um, or the, the company itself, if it's a self-funded company, is then just invoiced after the fact for the, for the balance. Okay. Super simple. Yeah. Nice. So you don't have this ticky tack of, you know, $4 for a bandage and $12 for this. And then having somebody negotiating with you about all those little things that weren't necessary or they think wasn't necessary, whatever. It's just a big bundled price and one that small bundled price. That's right. And, and in fact, um, I always like to share this with folks because they ask, Hey, well, you know, where do you profit? Um, and I tell everyone the same thing, like we just build a small margin on top of what our total cost to deliver that care is. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't mark up any of the individual like consumables. In fact, like for joint replacement, we don't make a dollar on any joint that's implanted in a patient or a screw or a plate or hardware. That price is all built into the bundle, but we're not actually profiting off of those line items. Um, that's just, yeah. we, we just don't see that as the right way to do things. I agree with you completely. If you can take that suspicion out by saying, right. here's, I mean, just here's the, um, here's, here's our cost. You can, we'll right. show it to you if you want to see it. Here's our cost. We're right. not making any money on that lab test we're ordering. It's, you know, just completely right. um, part of the package. So, and it's tempting to do that. You know, it's, you know, you think, oh, look here, I can just add a few dollars here, a few dollars there, and I can increase our, our margin. And, and that's true. You could probably do that. But fundamentally, I don't think it's fair to the patients. And I think rather than do that, we just say, hey, we build out the price based upon what our cost to deliver that care is, not make a dollar on that. And then we're just going to put a small margin just to kind of keep the lights on, doors open and continue to expand what we offer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, you have to you have to cover costs. And, and it has to everybody appreciates that it's a business model that's saving them gobs and gobs of money. They really want you to succeed. I mean, um, and I would, too. I mean, you whoever's invested into this needs to make money on it because that's how things innovate, right? Yeah. How we get better, right? Um, which is wonderful. And the other thing is if you're, you know, uh, the way I kind of see it or feel about it is if you're 
nickeling, diming up all these other little things. It's really not, am I, am I a healthcare provider? Am I a physician? Or right. am I a salesperson for gauze and uh, bandages? You know, I mean, right. you see what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and then and then that gets into the whole conflict of interest too. You know, if there's a certain product that you're marking up that you make a lot of profit on, are you going to preferentially right. use this product over another or give people preference, give vendors preference, not because of the quality of the device or implant or consumable, but because of the margin that you make. So all right. those conflicts get eliminated because again, we don't make a dollar on it. I am very agnostic when it comes to the type of implants that we use. All I care about is that the surgeon gets the best outcomes. Right. So if surgeon A uses implant A company and gets great outcomes, that's great. If implant B company uh, wants to you know, work with that surgeon and that surgeon's good with it and his outcomes are the same, we're happy to use that too. It's gotta be competitive um, and right. we have to be able to offer the same price across surgeon and implant manufacturers. Um, but all those things um, equal, I'm very agnostic when it comes to those things. Yeah, so it's not like you're going to take one and mark it up higher and change your prices right. around all of that. Yeah, just keep it simple. Right. Um, well, that's great. So uh, as we are winding down our time here, uh, this is Dr. Ron Panecki at Wellbridge Surgical. Um, and we've been talking about uh, really the free market surgical care. Uh, as opposed to free market medical care, but free market surgical care in, in, in Northwest Indianapolis, not Northwest Indiana. Um, uh, and um, so we've been thrilled to have uh, Dr. Panecki join us today. Uh, we are going to um, kind of wind this down a little bit. And, but what I would like to know uh, if, well, actually before we wind down too much, two questions. Have you heard of, or how will this affect you? Is the hospital price transparency rule, and um, the I think it's a the transparency and coverage rules. Have you heard of those coming out of the federal government? Not, what will that do for you guys or to you guys? That's a um, long it, question, and I, we all don't have very much time. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to answer that quickly and succinctly. Um, that can only help. Um, my desire and hope is that hospitals decide to be more competitive and find ways to be more competitive in the surgical space. Meaning the lower they make their prices, the more competitive they are with us. And that, that forces us to work harder and work better. And that's just really the way this free market environment should work. But really, the only one that's really going to benefit from that long term is the patient, which is how it should be. So the, the lower they can push their prices, the more competitive they can be, the better access to care will be for patients at a reasonable cost. So I hope they do that. Um, their price transparency tool has been very helpful in some cases for us because I like to know what the delta is between what we offer any given right. procedure and what they offer. And so um, we're saving about $45,000 for a total shoulder replacement compared to a large health system here in the city. $45,000. Wow. Um, and so we get into medical tourism where, as we mentioned earlier, we have patients coming from Wisconsin. We've had Illinois, Michigan um, as well and surrounding areas and Ohio as well. So mostly Midwesterners, nobody from California yet or, or I don't Florida think we've anybody from California uh, yet, um, but I, I'm happy to, happy to receive them. But I think as we get in front of some of the more um, motivated self-funded employers, they realize we can fly patients and families to Wellbridge. We can put them up in the nicest hotels and they can have their care delivered there. They can recover for a couple of days, fly back after their post-op visit, and we still save 
$25,000. Still tens of thousands of dollars. It's crazy. That's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think it's great. Well, I wish you all the best. And uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths again sometime before very long. Um, and so, uh, and I agree with you, by the way, that transparency, I think it's going to be kind of slow to, to roll out, frankly. Um, but uh, that will float all the boats, as they say, kind of mm -hmm. the rising tide of transparency will make only patients uh, healthier and uh, happier and more well, hopefully. So um, Wellbridge being perfectly um, suited to be part of that process. So thanks again, Ron. I appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you, uh, Scott at Eau Claire Hometown Radio for uh, producing us. And we will, uh, we appreciate your listening in with us today. And we will look forward to another episode of Dr. Usher Ways In uh, to drop uh, your way soon. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys.